Welcome to the 19.9 podcast. On today's show, we look back before we spring forward. We're going to listen back through some of the best moments from our Tales from the Bench series. These are all former players from some of the 19.9 schools, reliving some of their memories from their amazing seasons. We have two more episodes coming this week that are part of the School Spirit series, kicking off the upcoming season 19.9 style. This will also coincide with the relaunch of the 19.9 YouTube channel. Check out all the social media for more, more details and check back later this week for the, the new podcast. Now, on to the show. Take us into the, the season a little bit. So he's talking about this. Like, what did you what did you find? You know, he starts kind of telling this story. What did you find most interesting? And and how how did you go about like directing kind of the questioning to him? What I mean, what did you want to know about? Well, I won't lie, man. I wanted to know about Larry Bird. Uh, no question about that. But, um, yeah. Dude, but you can't start with that, right? That's no, like, well, no, you know, you turn him off and be like, all right, you just yeah. wanted to ask about Larry. Well, because, I mean, I mean, listen, man, Larry is the figure on that team. Just like when we watch this Bulls documentary. I mean, oh, yeah. what is it about the Bulls? It's about Jordan, right? Right, right. But, um, as much as I as much as I say I want to hear about from Scotty Burrell, I mean, there better be some yeah. Jordan in there. <laughs> but um, but I mean, going back to just the roots of this, um, yeah, I mean, I had questions about Larry, no question. I mean, I mean, he's an iconic figure in the game and really yeah. a favorite player of mine on a personal level. But I did want to know about Bob's experience. And this goes back to just this roots of this whole thing. Hey, Bob, man, take me into kind of what that was really like. And, and I'll tell you, man, I was so impressed. His memories of the season were sharp. And that was pretty impressive considering I was asking him to dig back, you know, four <laughs> yeah. decades. Um, I know. I just turned 40, so I know how long ago that is. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and so how, I think what, so I'll tell you two things that I thought, or, yeah, two things I thought was, was pretty, pretty interesting um, was how quickly his life changed. So Bob came in as a junior. He actually transferred in from a junior college. Okay. And he spoke of watching the 1978 Final Four. He had just finished up his junior college basketball season. He's watching that 1978 Final Four in a rented apartment, you know, just dreaming <laughs> of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be there? Has yeah. no idea. 12 months later, he's there in the Final Four. Like what an amazing shift. Um, yeah. So I thought that was kind of really interesting, compelling piece of his story. Really and then also, cool. just like I mentioned earlier, just the supernova nature of that season, you know, the the momentum for Indiana State throughout that, that attention grows and grows, and they gain more and more national acclaim. And then it all culminates in the final four with that victory over DePaul and then a showdown with Michigan State. And it becomes this iconic game in college basketball history. There were two things that stood out to me. I was kind of curious. He describes in there uh, playing like pickup ball, like one of the first times he encounters Bird. I, I was just kind of curious, like what, how he, how he told that, and, and you know how he talked about himself in that in that context. Because I'd be, I mean, I, I put myself in there. Like, what would it be like to walk on a court? Uh, I'm 18, 19 years old. There's there's Larry Bird. I maybe don't even really know who he is. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, or have some at least maybe a little bit of knowledge of him, but certainly you know playing with someone is just totally different. So it just would be yeah. uh, a cool experience. 
So, of course, we're speaking about 1978, you know, a much different mm-hmm. media era, you know. Yeah. Um, and so Bob's an Indiana kid, and um, he actually confesses he only knew a little bit about Larry Bird. Um, yeah. He had a JUCO teammate who played against Larry in high school. And okay. he kind of and, – and that teammate said like, yeah, this man, Larry's, good, yeah. Larry's really good. Yeah, you know I mean? That yeah. was kind of the extent of it. But um, Bob's first face-to-face meeting with Larry was at that on-campus pickup game. And like I said, he had heard about Larry from his JUCO teammate, but Bob just said, like, it was immediately clear, like, okay, this guy is something different. <laughs> like, I've never seen anything like this before. Um, but he also talked about what really struck Bob, and I thought was really kind of interesting, was Bob talked about just how quiet and guarded he was. Hmm. Like, you know, how Larry, that being, that he wasn't a yeah. guy – he wasn't somebody who really like let people in. He was very um, cognizant that maybe some people just wanted to be around him, to be around him. A uh, very yeah. kind of guarded person. So, and sometimes even uncomfortable. Um, and so that, so Bob's recollection was just like on the court, Larry was something extraordinary. Yeah. His real observation with his first impression of him had more to do with his personality than his game. Um, I thought that was, that was pretty interesting. Today and we're excited. I know Aaron and I both excited to talk Syracuse '87 hoops. So one of our one of the things that, that you know being tails from the bench, and I I was certainly a bench player. I didn't even make it to the college level, but the high school level, we think that the guys sitting on the bench have that unique perspective. And one of the guys that you played with, Pearl Washington, yeah. I, I just wanted to see get get your kind of take. How would you characterize his impact on? The, on the orange and you, you mentioned that you called him a rock star. So what was it about, about him that, that uh, had you using that kind of language with him? Well, Dwayne could not go anywhere in Syracuse without being mobbed. <laughs> you know, if he went to the oh, mall, but... you know, it was, you know, as soon as it got out, he was at the mall, drew a crowd <laughs> really everywhere he went. Um, he was mobbed. So that was the rock star environment. Got it. No doubt. And on campus, just, you know, he, he, anywhere he went, he drew a crowd and the impact, I think it caught one big impact obviously is that um, New York city adopted Syracuse as New York's team. You know, Dwayne was from New York. Uh Uh-huh. The, the the lights are brightest at Madison Square Garden and Dwayne always played great there. Huh. And as a result of that, I think New York City really took on Syracuse as their adopted team. And it's always been that way. I mean, anytime yeah. Syracuse plays at the Garden, there's a ton of Syracuse fans there. So I think that's one um, way Dwayne uh, impacted Syracuse. I think the other is he made Syracuse a national program. And we were able to begin recruiting um, in California, all, all across the country, whereas previously, huh. I don't think Syracuse had really done that before. Um, I think my, my favorite world memory uh, for me would be um, that the game against Georgetown. Um, uh, it would have been Dwayne's sophomore season. Uh, Georgetown came into the Dome. Um, they I think they were number one um, in the country, and Dwayne hit a shot um, with just a couple seconds left to to beat them. And that was one of the games. There were thirty thousand people, over <laughs> thirty thousand people in the dome, 
That's such a crazy, this, that, that, that stadium's just a wild place to play basketball. It it really, really is. And, you know, when we started getting 30,000 people at a game, it was really, (laughs) you know, novel. So heading into that season, the, the Pearl's gone. Did you guys come in with a sense that this is going to be a great team? Like we're going to the national championship. I always wonder that, you know, at the start of every season, if you ask any coach or player, they're like, yeah, we got national title or tournament expectations when there's only a few teams that end up going. But I'm curious, like what was your guys' mentality going into that season? Well, obviously tournament, we're going to the tournament. I mean, right. Um, and I think that's, like a, that's a given that's a for given. Syracuse. Right. That's a given. And I don't think, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone expects to go to the national championship game because anything can happen. I mean, yeah, uh, that's, I don't think anyone realistically can say, well, we're going to the national championship game. You, you can't say that, but there is a culture at Syracuse where you do expect to be special every mm. year. That's just, that's, that's part of the DNA. So even going into that season, we expected to be very, very good. But you're right. The question hanging over the team is what Pearl is gone. What do we do now? And I think part of the criticism against Syracuse sometimes was when we had Dwayne was, okay, you just give Dwayne the ball and everyone gets on. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. You know, what happens now when, you know, you really have to play together? And of course, Sher- Sherman Douglas yeah. proven you know, what's he going to be like? And of course he was general. He was tremendous. Yep. So, um, yeah, so there was definitely a question over our head, but you know, we're Syracuse and we always expect to be good. (laughs) And you know that, you know, you think about Joe, that that's tough. I mean, you guys are in the big East and you know, you're in the, a real glory time of the big East or a really kind of celebrated time of the big East. And I loved you know, when you and I first chatted for Tales for the Bench and, and, and the story that we have live on the 199 website, I asked you about the Big East basketball um, yep. in the 1980s, you know, where you had a front row seat for. And you told the story of Andre Hawkins, uh, your team at Syracuse, and you said you remember him fighting Patrick Ewing for low post position on the block. And you said, I sat there thinking this is hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that on a basketball court ever. Yeah. So how did you guys prepare for Big East basketball in that era and the physical grind that it was? I mean, what did what did Coach Beheim put you guys through to prepare you for, you want to be successful in Big East basketball? This is what we need to do. So how did you guys prepare for that? You know, we had a drill. I, I'm, I'm certain they're not doing this drill anymore. <laughs> uh, we had a drill um, uh, in, well, it, 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 so you have the lane, right? You've got the lane and the drill is there's three people in the lane and one basketball and you can't leave the lane until you score, until you make three baskets and there, oh are, no, there are no fouls. Okay? Oh my word. There are no fouls. This is the anti-load management. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so... Uh, you know, it, it was, bru- it was, that was a brutal drill. And you, yeah. I mean, if you, if you can't score three baskets, um, you're dying, um, and no foul. And yes. And so that was, that was the drill to prepare you to play in the big East. Um, but I think, you know, that, that league, it's a crucible, really it's a crucible and it refines you and, you know, you're used to playing that. You're used to playing that way, and um, 
it, it was like it's a, I've heard Coach Beheim say, if there was no blood on the floor, then you didn't really have a game. What do you maybe recall about maybe the, the pregame talk that Coach Beheim gave? Or, I mean, is there anything you remember about just kind of the moments before you guys take the floor for the national championship? Well, it was a huge locker room, a huge <laughs> locker room. Um, and and the, our locker room in the Carrier Dome was huge, but uh, this is <laughs> a huge locker room. And the run to the court, you know, when you came out, oh, yeah. the court, it was endless to run to the court. <laughs> And, um, you know, the Superdome is just cavernous, massive, massive cavernous. Um, uh, but, but other than that, you know, this is, it's kind of the same routine that you've done, you know, the whole time you've been at Syracuse. Um, you know, there was nothing, uh, you know, different from what coach Beheim did. This is, this is our routine. We're going to stick to it. Um, this is the talk that we give. And then father Charles, our, our Catholic priest would come in and, and give us a little talk and we'd say, the Lord's prayer. And then we'd run out and it was game time. So there really wasn't a lot of deviation in, in what we did. And I think that's, that's part of who coach Beheim is, right? There's a consistency there. I think we were leading for a good, we, I think we were down at the half, but we were leading yeah. um, very late into the game, which is, you know, maybe a minute left. I think we yep. were up, you know, four, maybe even had the ball. And so, um, Obviously, anything can happen, but I do remember one point looking up in the stands, and my mom, and at that time my fiance was at the game. Oh wow! I remember looking, I remember looking at them um, and thinking to myself, um, you know, I'm going to be on a national championship team and have a ring. Huh. And so, yeah. So those were my thoughts at the time. <laughs> So you're definitely, you're definitely like, oh, I'm feeling good right now. Well, not, 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 not overconfident, but yeah, yeah, chance, you know, thinking, you know, the reality of, hey, this might happen. Yeah, you let yourself entertain the, the entertain the thought. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I yeah. think you know some of my other people next to me, you know, um, were. were I'm, I'm sure if they're honest, they were probably entertaining the same thought. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yep. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this special episode of the 99 podcast, recapping some of the highlights from our Tales from the Bench series. If you enjoyed these clips, you can find the full episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. While you're there, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Till next time.